You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says beginning in verse number 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance, and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause." For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Then join me please on verse 20 and 21. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have uh, to be in this place this morning. Lord, I pray that we would not miss uh, what you have from your word. I know that. Uh, There's a lot that we all have going on this week. There's a lot, I'm sure, today. Lord, help us to set aside all the cares and all the distractions and all the burdens. And Lord, help us to receive the Word of God. I pray that you would help us, and I pray that you would give us what we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. We are in our series on Sunday mornings on the subject of living for eternity. Last Sunday morning, I preached from 2 Timothy chapter 4, where the Bible talks about the crown of righteousness that we as Christians have the opportunity to strive for and to to win, to earn at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want to remind you what we're going to do with those crowns. Please don't think, well, I'm going to try to win some crowns because wouldn't that be great when we get to heaven and I can go around and I can show everybody my crown and show everybody how good I was? Friend, that's not what's going to happen when we get to heaven. The Bible says when we get to heaven and when we receive crowns, we're going to take those crowns and we're going to cast them at the feet of Jesus because he is the only one that is worthy of praise and honor and glory. And let me remind us this morning, anything good that happens in our lives is all because of God. Say, well, but pastor, I've worked hard, and I'm really smart, and i got a good education, and I commend those things. I think that's a good thing to work hard. I think it's a good thing to get a good education. I think it's a good thing to be a, a good business person. But who gave you the strength to do those things? 
Who gave you the mind to use that you could study? It all comes from God. Anything good in our lives, all the glory goes to God. Anything bad that is in my life is not God's fault, it's my fault. And you say, well, how do you, what if somebody else? No, no, no. I'm just saying, if we got what we deserved, we would all spend eternity in a lake of fire. And so anything good that happens is all because of God. And when we stand before the judgment seat, any crowns that we receive, any rewards that we get, we're going to cast those back at the feet of Jesus and say, we are not worthy, but thou art worthy, O Lord. And so we're talking about the crowns. Last week was the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4. Today I'd like for you to notice in 2 Corinthians 5, we see a description of the crown of rejoicing. Now, the crown of rejoicing is not named in 2 Corinthians 5, but the description is given. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. When Paul spoke to the church at Thessalonica, here's what he said. He said, for what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing. He asked the question, what is our crown of rejoicing? And then he said to that, that, those people in Thessalonica, he said, uh, you are our glory and crown. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. So Paul said, our crown, the crown of rejoicing that we will receive in heaven is because you got saved. Because you received Christ. And friend, that's the greatest thing we could ever strive for is for people to be saved. It doesn't matter how much you improve somebody's life. If they die and go to a place called hell, that's not good. The goal is for us to get the gospel to every creature, for people to come to know Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. It's the crown of rejoicing. I like the name of the crown. Did you know that rejoicing is a good thing to do when people get saved? When, when we have an announcement in church, we say, hey, somebody got saved, and somebody got saved, and now somebody's getting baptized, or, or somebody received the gospel. Those ought to be things that get us fired up. Now, let's be honest. We get excited about a lot of other things, don't we? Somebody starts telling a story about the, the, the deer they got, or somebody starts talking about uh, the, 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 the truck they got, or somebody talks about this thing, or this t a gadget, or this, this car, or whatever. We get excited. Let's get excited about things that matter for eternity, like souls being saved. It's the crown of rejoicing. The Bible says in Luke 15, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. When people get saved, we ought to rejoice down here. You know why? Because they're rejoicing up there. There is rejoicing in heaven when people get saved. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10, he said, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Can I tell you something? I think the disciples, I think they were starting to kind of get a little competitive. How many demons have you cast out? How many evil spirits have you taken care of? And Jesus said, that's not what you need to rejoice about. He said, you need to rejoice because you are going to heaven. Because your name is written in heaven. We see the judgment seat. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad. Let's look quickly at this passage and let's talk about the crown of rejoicing. Uh, the crown, the reward that is given at the judgment seat for people that come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I'll tell you one thing. 
I want to have a part in that. I want to do something with my life that would help people come to know Christ. You see, this crown is given for, for soul winners. This crown is given for people that lead others to Christ. And you may be here today and you say, Pastor, I've never led anybody to Christ. I've never shared the gospel with somebody. And because I shared the gospel with them, they got saved. Well, that ought to be our goal. You say, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know all the answers. All you have to do is just tell somebody what God did in your life. All you have to do is just share your testimony. And if you're saved, praise God. Just tell them what God did for you. But then beyond that, we ought to be concerned about people being saved and sharing the gospel. But I also want to say this morning that even if you have not personally led folks to Christ, did you know that you can have a part in that? That's why we have missionaries. You know these missionaries, almost 90 missionaries that we support? When they see people saved and you have given to missions and you have prayed for missionaries, you've got a part in that. Well, we run these buses every Sunday. And when boys and girls and teenagers and adults, when they get saved from our bus ministry, did you know that you have a part in that because you have given and you have prayed and you have labored and you have invested in that? And so it doesn't, doesn't always matter who's the one that actually leads somebody to Christ, although we ought to all strive to do that. But what matters is that we share the gospel. And what matters is that we're faithful in our witness and that we're faithful in our giving and that we're faithful in doing our part so that people can come to know Christ as Savior. Let's talk about, first of all, our motivation. I don't know what it takes to motivate you. I think it's very interesting uh, how little it takes sometimes to motivate children or how little it takes to motivate teenagers. Well, sometimes it takes a lot, but sometimes it's amazing what they'll do stuff for. I remember when I was a youth pastor and my wife and I, we took a, a, a trip of teens out to California. And it was in October. It was cold. And uh, I remember we were uh, going to see the ocean. And for some of these teens from Illinois, it was the first time they'd ever been there. And uh, we, got, we pulled out up by the ocean. We pulled off at this parking spot. And I didn't know they were going to do it. But these guys took off running full speed. They didn't change clothes. They had on all their clothes. They had their shoes. Every, they dove into the ocean in San Francisco Bay Area, where the water temperature was probably about 45 degrees, the outside temperature wasn't a whole lot warmer, and they loved it. You say, how much did you give them to do that? Nothing. You know what their motivation was? Bragging rights. They wanted to be able to tell everybody. They wanted to be able to say, we jumped in the ocean and all you, you know, that was it. I've seen, I've seen uh, teenagers and, and college students in my days, I've seen them do all kinds of crazy stuff, and you know what they'll do it for? Five dollars. Would you give me $5 if I eat this, you know? Or would you give me $5 if I drink this, you know? It's, you know, soda and ketchup and mustard and salt and pepper. You say, teenagers don't do that. Teenagers do a lot of crazy stuff. And sometimes it doesn't take a whole lot to motivate people. But I want to tell you this morning, we've got a lot of motivation to win people to Christ. We've got a lot of motivation to share the gospel with people. There are two motivating factors found in this passage for the crown of rejoicing. Number one, I want you to look with me at verse number 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know what our first motivation is as found in this passage? Is that for people that do not know Christ as Savior, they are going to suffer from the judgment and the wrath of Almighty God. 
You say, Pastor, how is that possible? I thought God was loving, and I thought God was merciful, and I thought God was compassionate. And I say yes to all three of those. He is. He is loving. He is merciful. He is compassionate. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die. That's why he provided a way of salvation. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But for those that reject God, for those that say no to Christ, for those that do not receive the gospel of Christ, the Bible says there is only one fate. There is only one place where they will go, and that is a lake of fire. Friend, I want to tell you, I don't want anybody to go to hell. That's why we have a church. That's why we have a ministry. That's why we, we do all we can in all these different areas to try to reach people with the gospel because we've got some motivation. One is because of the terror or the judgment of God that falls on those that reject Christ. But I want you to notice the second motivation in verse 14. The Bible says, I love this, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You know what ought to motivate you this week? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. You know what ought to motivate you this week is to know that I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell. I had no hope of salvation, but Jesus Christ left heaven. He came and he died on an old rugged cross and he suffered and he bled and died and he did it all because he loved you and he loved me. That, my friend, is motivation. There's a lot of things that I would do for my wife. There's a lot of things I would do for my children. You say, well, what are they going to give you for it? Nothing. I do it because I love them. I do it because of the love I have for them and the love they have for me. And friend, if you and I love the Lord like we should, we're going to care about others knowing Christ. We're going to care about the souls of other people. We're going to care about eternity where people will spend eternity. I see the motivation, number one. I see secondly in this passage, I see the miracle. It says in verse number 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ. <laughs> now I'm glad it says any man. I'm glad it's not just some. Aren't you glad you don't have to be smart to be saved? <laughs> A few more of us ought to have said amen to that. I was saying amen when I was studying. How about this? Aren't you glad you don't have to be rich to be saved? Yeah, I think we probably should have heard a few more on that one. Unless some of you are holding out on us, you know, maybe you are rich. And you think, well, that wouldn't be a problem. Here's what I'm saying. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The miracle is that God will save anybody. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Here's the miracle of salvation. The miracle is when you get saved, God doesn't make you a better you. He doesn't just improve you. He doesn't just give you an upgrade. He doesn't just help you out a little bit. But when you get saved, you become a brand new creature in Christ. Hallelujah for that. Old things, the past, all the sin and all the stain and all of the wickedness of the past that held you back and that bound you, that's all gone. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. That's a miracle. I didn't know that Miss Bethany and her dad, I didn't know that they were singing the song they did. But here's what I want to say about the miracle of salvation. Don't ever get over it. Don't ever lose the joy. 
Don't ever lose the thrill. Don't ever lose the wonder of the day that Jesus Christ saved you. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad that Jesus reached down and saved me. I was a boy that was young, but I knew I was a sinner. And I knew that I needed a Savior. And I knew that I couldn't save myself. And I'm glad for the day I got saved. That is a miracle. Gypsy Smith was a preacher of yesteryear. He was a gypsy as a young man and got saved and began to preach all over. He preached for many years. There was a man that heard him early in his ministry and, and he heard Gypsy Smith preach with power and preach with fervency and, and preach with the touch of God. The same man heard Gypsy Smith decades later near the end of Gypsy Smith's ministry. And he heard him preach again towards the end of his life and he said, he said, this man is still preaching with the same power and the same passion and after all these years, and he asked Gypsy Smith, he said, sir, how is it that you still, you preach with the power and the passion like you did when you were a young man? And Gypsy Smith answered that man and said, sir, I guess you could say, I've never lost the wonder of it all. Gypsy Smith just never got over the day he got saved. He just every day just said, I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe that God would save me. I can't believe that God would use me. And friend, I can't believe that God would save me. And I can't believe that God would use me, but I'm so glad he did save me. And I'm so glad he will use me. And he'll save you if you're not saved. And he'll use you. And he will take your life and he will make you a new creation. That's a miracle. But thirdly, I see in this passage, I see there's a ministry the Bible calls it the ministry of reconciliation in verse 18. Reconciliation is a big word, but reconciliation, it simply means a restoration. We're sinners. We are separated from God. But Jesus Christ, through his blood and through his death on the cross, can bring us back and can restore us into fellowship with a holy God. One definition of Reconciliation is this, it is restoring the favor of God to those who repent and put their trust in Christ's work on the cross. And God says, I've given you that ministry. I've given you that service. I've given you that opportunity. Now here's the great thing about that ministry. You don't have to be a pastor to be in that ministry. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a missionary. Uh, you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be any of those things. If you're here today and you've been saved by the grace of God, you are included in the ministry of reconciliation. You've got a part in telling others the gospel and sharing the good news with others. And God has given you and I a ministry of reconciliation. This is an opportunity to serve God. And it's not just on Sunday. It's every day. It's to every person we talk to. It's everywhere we go. This is a ministry that we have been given. The Bible says in verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. <laughs> That's a good name for the Bible. You know what this is? This is the word of restoration. This is the word of reconciliation. This is the message that everybody needs. This is the message that people need to know how they can be saved. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We see the ministry that we've been given. Acts chapter 1 tells us that Judas had a ministry. The Bible tells us that Judas 
lost his ministry. He fell from his ministry. Judas did not take seriously the opportunity that he had to walk with Jesus and to serve Jesus. I don't believe Judas ever was saved. I believe he went through the motions on the outside. I think he played the part. I think he fooled a lot of people. But Judas, he betrayed the Lord. He sold the Lord. Uh, he, he, he turned the Lord over. And can I tell you this? Judas lost out on all the things he could have had. He was so, so close to Jesus, but yet now he is forever eternally separated from Jesus because he did not take serious the opportunity he had. Friend, if you're here today, I want to tell you, you better take serious the opportunity you have to get saved. And if you're here today and you've been saved, you better take serious the opportunity you have to serve God. Think about Peter and James and John and how God used them so mightily in ministry. And Judas could have had all those opportunities. Judas could have been used by God. But yet he took for granted the opportunity that he had for ministry. Acts chapter 1 verse 17 and 25. The Bible says in Acts 12, Barnabas and Saul fulfilled their ministry. The Bible says in Acts 20 that we have a ministry to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I like this, 1 Corinthians 16, the Bible says that there were some that addicted themselves to the ministry. It's the only time you'll find that word addicted in the Bible. Usually that's a bad connotation, right? Usually we're talking about bad stuff. But can I tell you, that word addicted there, it means that they were devoted to the ministry. They just couldn't get enough of it. They just couldn't stop. It was in their blood. And can I tell you, we need some Christians in 2024 that won't just do ministry because they have to, but they'll do ministry because they want to. And because we get to, and we get to serve God. And God has been so good to us, and let's give ourselves and devote ourselves to the ministry. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, he said, I thank Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. If you have a ministry, if you have an opportunity to serve God, can I tell you who gives you the strength to do it? It's not you. It's not me. It's God that enables you. It is God that enables me. It's God that gives us the power to serve him. And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, I like this. Paul said, take Mark. That is John Mark. He said, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. You say, well, what's the big deal? Here's a guy that Paul said, hey, this guy's profitable. This guy's beneficial. This guy can be a help. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that John Mark had left. He had forsaken Paul and he had forsaken Barnabas on their journey. So much so that Paul said, we're not going to take him with us again. And at the end of Paul's life, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, that guy has gotten on track. He's gotten right. And that guy is profitable for the ministry. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you used to be involved in a ministry. Maybe you used to be a witness. Maybe you used to care about souls. Maybe you used to do more for the Lord. Maybe you're listening online or listening on the radio and maybe you used to do those things. Well, I got good news for you. You don't have to live your life used to. You can live your life and get back on track and get back in the ministry and get back to serving God because I'm glad that God gives us second chances. I'm glad that God gives us mercy. I'm glad that God gives us grace. And I'm glad that we can be a part of the ministry. Even when we have failed, even when we have dropped out, I'm glad that God's team is still open. He says, come on in and jump on in. What an opportunity we have to serve the Lord. Fourthly, I see in this passage that we are ministers. Of course, we have a ministry, but then we are ministers. We are servants. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors 
for Christ. That's an interesting word. Because what is an ambassador? An ambassador is one from one country who is sent to another country but to represent his home country. And so as Christians, we don't belong to this world. The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, We're not serving uh, to try to better the world. We're serving to better the kingdom of God. And God has sent us as ambassadors. An ambassador doesn't go into a country and march in and say, all right, this is what I want, this is what I think. No, no, no. The ambassador says, this is what my country wants. This is what my country expects. This is what my king, this is what my president, this is what our governor wants. And the ambassador speaks on behalf, not of himself, but of his country. Can I tell you, we have the privilege today not to be ambassadors for ourselves, but to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to be representatives of him. It says in verse 20, we pray you in Christ's stead, instead of Christ, because Christ is not here right now. You and I are in his place speaking his message. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are ministers. Quickly, number five, I see that we have a message. The message is found in verse 20 and 21, and the message is so simple. The message is this, you got to get saved. The message is that Jesus still saves. The message is that God can save you. The message is that you can be a new creature in Christ, and that God can do a work in your heart if you will put your faith and trust in him. We have a message. In the late 70s, There was an intense battle that was going on in the United States, and it was not a battle with guns and tanks and all that, but it was a battle between soda companies. Coca-Cola and Pepsi. They were fighting, and Coca-Cola had had the lead in in, in sales and production, all that for so many years, but, but Pepsi was starting to close the gap. They were starting to get a little close. Coca-Cola had a new CEO, and this CEO, he had an idea. He said, we got to do something to separate from Pepsi. We've got to do something to, 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 to uh, widen that gap and to, to, to uh, just cement our place as the number one soda company in the nation and, of course, then around the world. And so here's what the CEO said. And they tested it, and they tried to do a lot of research. They said, we're doing something different. And in April of 1985, Coca-Cola said, we're no longer producing the original Coca-Cola. From here on out, it is New Coke. How many of you remember New Coke? Let me see your hands. We got a few of you here, all right? Put your hands down. How many of you like Pepsi so you didn't even bother with any Coke? Whoa, wow, more hands than I expected to see. Wow, we might have a church split afterwards over the soda. The CEO was so adamant. He said, we're not going to produce both. We're going to produce new Coke, and that's going to be our product. He even, he himself, the CEO said this, it will be new Coke or no Coke. Those were his words. Well, can I tell you, after 400,000 letters and phone calls from angry customers, Coca-Cola reversed their decision, and they went back to making the old Coca-Cola. And just to make sure there was no question, they now named it Coca-Cola Classic. 
They wanted everybody to know, this is not the new Coke. This is the old. This is the original. This is what you have loved for years. And they went back and made that change. Here is what, I'm not telling you my words, here is what Wikipedia had to say about that event. The story of new Coke remains influential as a cautionary tale against tampering with an established successful brand wow and friend i want to tell you coke tried to change their message and that didn't work but i'm not here to talk to you about soda this morning i think you know where i'm going we've got a message right here that does not need improvement we've got a message that jesus saves and he's the only one that saves And we don't need new branding, and we don't need new ideas, and we don't need new things. I'm not against using things that are are tools to help us get the message out. But we do not change the message that Jesus saves. We do not change the message that the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's not a new way. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is our message. And then lastly, I see in this passage, verse 11 and verse 20, I see our mission. What's the mission? we got to tell everybody. We've got to let everybody know the good news because it is available for everyone. That is our mission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.